Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza. Jake Kokorowski, the hotshot Scott. Here we go. Not hotshot Scott Williams. We got the Polish rifle Scott uh, Scott Wisniewski here. Uh, yeah, that guy looks like me. He just yeah. looks like me. Yeah. <laughs> Great start to the morning uh, here uh, on Saturday morning, Mother's Day weekend. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers around the world. And, you know, it's a busy weekend, too, for obviously baseball. Uh, you got the Milwaukee Brewers, Chicago Cubs at a big, you know, central division standoff. Brewers taking the first game of the three game set already. Uh, it's big just because of the, the rivalry and what's it beca- what it, it's becoming, uh, with some calling it Miller Park South. Uh, we're going to have, hopefully, uh, you know, we're going to talk some Milwaukee Bucks in a little bit. Uh, obviously, we want to get to that and, and kind of talk a little bit more f- fully about it. But real quick, we just want to touch base on the Milwaukee Brewers before we uh, go any further. Scotty, uh, you know, a turnaround for this team uh, after some rough outings in St. Louis and, and a rough stretch. Now they're, you know, two series sweeps, and then they take the first game out of three against the Cubs. Yeah, I don't know how much I buy the improvement. Well, first of all, it's great for the Brewers. They're the hottest team in baseball at seven wins in a row. But you knew they somewhere in the middle of this is the real Brewer team. And what I mean by that is we, as bad as the pitching was for that two-week stretch, we had to know it wasn't going to stay that bad. That would have been historically bad, right? Um, so we knew that there was going to get some be some improvement. Brandon Woodruff, I thought, would improve, and he has. Uh, adding Gio Gonzalez has improved the, the rotation. On the flip side, you expect at some point Zach Davies is going to wake up and realize he's Zach Davies, right? I mean, you just you just think that's that's got to happen at some point. Um, so anyway, you're starting to you know you'll see it even out, and I still think the Brewers pitching staff is somewhere around a four point three, four four, maybe four and a half ERA sort of team, which means. And most nights, if they score five runs, they should have a chance to win games, um, win more games than they lose, right? And, you know, as long as you got your health with the guys at the top of your order, Kane, Christian Yelich, Ryan Braun, um, you're going to have a chance to score five runs. And, you know, again, Hayes Aguilar should start to, you know, get better. I, I don't. I knew there was going to be a drop-off. I didn't expect him to hit 136 like he was before he got warmed, you know. So all that stuff's going to even itself. That's why you play 162 games. That's why you can't get too uh, skittish or too euphoric about a good two-week stretch here or there because it's a long season. And, and you you know, you play the 162 and it's a grind and, and things find its way of ebbing and flowing. But I, 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 I'm glad that the pitching's been better. I know there's going to be some days ahead where they give up a lot of runs still. There's still guys in the bullpen I don't trust, but I think Corbin uh, Corbin Burns being in their bullpen, good move right now. Peralta had a good bullpen outing. But here's the thing that, that's a little disappointing, and it, you could say it's hindsight, but I don't remember if we had a chance to talk about it in January, but I was in favor of this move. The, the Giants offered the Brewers Madison Bumgarner, and what they wanted back, the centerpiece of what they wanted back was one of, not two, not three, one of the following pitchers, Woodruff, Burns, Peralta. So and for that period of time when Burns and Peralta were getting absolutely destroyed, you couldn't help think sometimes, hmm, Madison Baumgartner looks pretty good right now for a team that needs pitching to, to be a contender. So long story short, 
the the linchpin, the catalyst, the thing that's going to help the Brewers get over the top, maybe the most important pitcher or pitchers on this roster is either Peralta or Burns. One of those guys has to right the ship and and become a a above average major league pitcher for it to feel like that move was the right move to make. So you can almost make the argument that those might be the most important pitchers on this roster right now. Yeah, and it's it will be interesting to see. I mean, with, with Jimmy Nelson, whenever he decides to come back, or when he's able, when they deem him ready to play, yeah, at the I major think he'd level. like to. If he if it was up to him, I think he'd make the decision. I'd like to be back, but right, yes, yes, I know what you mean. So no, I mean, there's still um, you still obviously have Craig Kimbrell, and then also uh, Dallas Keuchel, both you know still out there in free agency, and you know it. it I think having Gio Gonzalez come back has been a huge lift, you know, five and a, was it five and a third, five and two thirds innings. I mean, it's not, I mean, obviously he's not the ace that Keuchel has no, shown but, to be. But, or, he's but, a, but he's a lefty you need. This is right. You have a left-handed starter. You, you got to have that. I mean, yeah, he's not Keuchel, but I think the better play for the Brewers, if one of those was still going to happen, is still Kimbo because you tax a bullpen so much through 160-game season. To be able to have an ace, a guy you could trust just about every night with the ball out, every, you know, night obviously, but every time he goes out there, you can pretty much trust that Craig Kimball is going to turn into this performance. If I had to pick one, that would be the one. Yeah, starting pitching is important, but I feel like, especially if you get a Jimmy Nelson back, who's at least 75 to 80% as good as the Jimmy Nelson that, that, that got hurt back in 2017, I think you can kind of right the ship a bit, but you're you're still looking at a bunch of guys who are going to get you five, five and a third, six innings if you're lucky, and that's where the bullpen's going to end up getting taxed, and you, that revolving door between San Antonio and Milwaukee, it doesn't, it doesn't spin freely. I mean, at some point, you run out of moves with guys, and you have to make decisions about, you know, outwriting them or, or tendering a release, and um, so anyway, I don't know if either one of those happens, but if I had a pick now, I'm starting to lean more towards the, well, let's make it Kimball if we had, especially since teams like the Cubs who have been decimated in the bullpen could jump up in there and make that move, and you don't want that to happen in your own division, I don't think. It was almost a signing out of just having someone else not have Kimbrel for you know when it comes Correct. to that. So, um, but yeah, you know, Milwaukee's seven-game winning streak, eight and two in their last ten, and Finally, above the uh, runs scored over runs given up stat, uh, they're plus nine, even though they are eight games over 500. So it's it's still obviously, uh, you know, it, it, you want to make sure that you within the division that you're, you're winning. But really, it's a, you know, it's a big series, I think, just for, for confidence wise. But a lot can change between obviously now and, and August, September, uh, as we saw last year. Uh, with this team. So uh, anything else with baseball before we turn our attention to, to bucks or, or in, the, in the NBA playoffs? Well, absolutely. But we only have a limited amount of time on this week's show. So hopefully we can do a deeper dive into baseball and even talk some football. I mean, obviously a lot has gone on with the draft and schedule and free agency and we can discuss all that. But I think really the big, the big topic right now in everybody's mind in the state. Um, and I never thought I'd say that, but the biggest story in the state is the Milwaukee Bucks. It really is. And I mean, 4-1 series win over Boston after game one. They reel off four straight wins, which 
a lot of people, and we've you've heard it ad nauseum when it comes to Paul Pierce. Uh, obviously, is the the main one saying the series was over after one game. It, it was you know that was I mean it was a, an impressive win by Boston, and it felt like a statement win. Uh, playoff Kyrie, whatever you want to call it, and next thing you know. The Bucks reel off four straight wins, including two on the road at Boston, which were critical. You thought getting one would be good, uh, you know, in Boston, but they get two. And yeah, it's, I mean, I don't, I guess I don't necessarily see the Bucks fever in Madison. It's Madison. But uh, let me ask you in, in Milwaukee, just what is that? What is uh, the fever? Madison? Love it. Um, it. It's amazing. So, First of all, uh, real quick on the Paul Pierce thing. I mean, I, I've never been a guy. I used to poo-poo a lot of this and people are like, well, the national media just doesn't care for small markets and just doesn't care for Milwaukee. And you started to see some of the, the, the wrinkled brows and frowny faces last year on the Fox pregame show when the Brewers were going far into the playoffs. And you're like, well, that's weird. And then all the silence and, and shade that was thrown on the Bucks even as the playoffs started and then this Boston series, you start to wonder, hmm, maybe there is something to that. Maybe people, fans just aren't paranoid. Um, anyway, here it's been amazing. So I remember my dear, dear departed friend, Steve Haywood, used to tell me about how, you know, in 2001, the Bucks were the biggest story in the state, even bigger than the Packers, which he embellished that a little bit, but I didn't remember it like he did, but I think the more and more I talk to people, he was right. This town does want to have Bucks fans. This town wants to be Bucks fans. This town wants to get behind his team, but there's just been decades and decades and decades of, of sludge that was hard to cheer for, right? Um, even for the most you know ardent fan. But um, you know to see the downtown area, and 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 let me just say this, and I, you know without getting too off on a tangent. What a difference, what a centerpiece the Pfizer Forum is to a downtown that's going to be and has already started its its renaissance. And, and the renaissance, the catalyst, the cornerstone, the crown jewel is that Pfizer Forum and everything that's building up around it from high-rise apartments to restaurants to shopping centers. And, and, and that ownership team that everybody kind of panned when they first bought the team because they're a bunch of New Yorkers has really doubled down and invested itself in this town. And I don't want to hear about the fact that taxpayers paid for part of the form. Yeah, they did. Taxpayers pay for a lot of things. That's why they're called taxes. But, you know, you hope that those tax monies go to things that are going to help raise up a community that surely needed a shot in the arm and a kick in the pants. And you know what? Bless those owners for that part of it. Whether you know you like them or you don't like them, they kept their word and they've invested in this team. And because of it, fans now can stand outside of the Pfizer Arena in that 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 beautiful dining mall area where that new Mecca Bar and some of the other places are, and gather as a community and root on their team like they have since the playoffs started, and feel part of it even if they can't be inside the building because they weren't able to to, to procure a ticket. And, and I think the buzz is everywhere at billboards, every restaurant you go, go Bucks, go, or fear the deer. There's real Bucks. It's an actual thing. And and it comes with two things. Yes, they're winning, and they're, they're making a run 
that could get them into the champ championship. But they've also got the most dynamic young player to come our way in, in probably 15 years. Dare I say it since LeBron, right? Um, but LeBron came in with a lot of story and hype, and he was expected to be good. Giannis came in, and people laughed at the draft pick. Like, what? Who's this guy? What are they thinking? The Bucks have flat out lost their mind. And it turns out that that, that that draft by John Hammond was an amazing move, whether it was luck, because there's always some luck in every sort of success, or whether it was him seeing something that other people didn't. He's become arguably the greatest, if not one of the top three players in the NBA, and he's so good that the national media and the pundits can't ignore the Bucks. And the Bucks fever is a real thing, and they're getting ready to play either Philadelphia or Toronto next week, Wednesday, in game one. What's the most important, impressive part to you? I mean, I'm going to name off several several players, uh, or several factors. Um, Giannis, Giannis, of course, Adento Kumpo. George Hill, Mike Budenholzer, Chris Middleton, who right now, as I, I just checked the stats in the playoffs, is shooting 46.7% from three-point range. Um, other, what what's the most impressive part? Okay. Uh, well, uh, let's start uh, let's say with, with this this past series, not just the first, okay. first round, but well, this past series. Well, Giannis, uh, I think, is the most impressive because – after game one, everybody thought, well, they'll just shut down Giannis and he won't find ways to score. And, but he did. And he, I think the most impressive thing is when he is shut down for a period, whether it's a quarter, whether it's a half, whether it's a series or two, he allows himself to be patient. He doesn't force the issue and he's able to get the other members of his team involved, which leads you to Chris Middleton, who had an amazing series and looks like he's going to play his way into that max contract for better or for worse. We could discuss that when the off season comes, because there's some people who think he could be the next John Selman, or he could be the next, you know, insert player here that, you know, got himself a big contract and then didn't live up to it. Michael Red even maybe we'll, we'll save that for another time because he played amazing right now. And he's probably playing himself into the money he's looking for. You can't underestimate a guy like George Hill all through the stretch, through April, after, especially after Brockton got hurt. Um, the last month of the season and into the playoffs, now you know why you got him. Because there were nights where you looked at George Hill and he went one for four, two for five, played 11 minutes, maybe 21 minutes and scored six points. You're like, what the hell is he on this team for? I never said that, but people did. And people, and I would say, and other pundits, say well because he's a veteran he's been there before ah that doesn't matter it does matter in the nba with a 12 to 15 man roster having guys who have been through the wars who have won championship rings who can look at situations let the game slow down for them and say i've seen this before we're gonna be all right that leadership you cannot put a price tag on and you can't see it all in the box score. It's definitely something that transcends the box score and having guys like George Hill. And if Paul Gasol had been healthy, I think he'd be another guy who would be filling that role as the, hey, I've been here before. Let me show you the way. Let me be your shepherd. And that leads you to Coach Budenholzer, who was widely panned after game one. And everybody said, oh, out coached by Brad Stevens. Well, what'd you think? You know, of course he doesn't have the playoffs experience. Of course, he's not going to be able to navigate his team through this. 
And he then he made some comments. I'm not going to make any, many adjustments. And people laughed at him. And then they win the series four games to one. So I, I think right now you have to believe in, in, in Budenhoser. And obviously with an MVP player like, like Giannis, a veteran leader in George Hill, and a guy who's playing out of his mind and maybe playing for some financial security uh, in Chris Middleton, those four guys have been huge. Uh, as they continue to work their way through one series away now from a chance at playing for a championship. Yeah, I think Pat Connaughton's another guy too. Uh, we, uh, you know, averaging right now in the playoffs, eight point four uh, points a, ga- a game, seven point nine rebounds per contest as a guard. Yeah, yeah, crazy. Uh, about, yeah, kind of a uh, the stereotypical glue guy, if you will. And all without Brogdon. I mean, Brogdon finally came back in Game Five and. It was great the way they used him. I actually was in favor of having him come back and play in mop-up time because I, I think it's a perfect low-pressure time for him to test that uh, test that foot, get some game-time experience, and then still get a week off now to continue his healing. But now he knows, hey, I was out there. I got over that first initial, hey, can I get this done, get back out on the floor, and that worked out great. He's going to be huge against either Toronto or Philly. Um, I, I just I think the way they manage that worked out perfectly for them. Exactly. And so uh, on top of that too, like in Brogdon for that matter, uh, in his one game, 10 points, three rebounds, four assists. So, uh, you know, good way for him to kind of get back in there. Um, Any concerns after that Boston series, in your opinion, before we kind of turn ahead and I'll ask our final question will be (coughs) who you want to fail as who you'd want as a fan to face in the finals, but any concerns that come out of that series against Boston first? No, no. I mean, they came out of it healthier than they did coming into it because they got Bragdon back. So there's no concerns coming out of the series. Now, I am, you got to be professionally concerned if you're the Bucks or if you're people who follow the Bucks about either team. I mean, Toronto's a good team. Philadelphia, I think, is – the best, on paper, the best team in the East. They said that months ago, but they just ha- haven't been able to put it all together yet. Haven't been able to manage all the Eagles, and then they were putting it together towards the end of the year. But now I, I think Joel Embiid isn't as healthy, even as he's saying he is, and we knew he was banged up going in. So not having Embiid at a hundred percent, I think, takes away the the the. The, the the one advantage I think the Bucks had, okay, or I'm sorry, the Sixers had over the Bucks. So, um, so I think if they play Philly, the fact that Embiid won't be 100 percent will hurt Philly. If they play Toronto, you just got to play your game. I mean, I, I know that sounds like a cliche answer, but if the Bucks play the way the Bucks have played this whole season and play Bucks basketball, I think they win either series in six games. Now, that doesn't mean they will. I mean, things can happen. If they have a couple bad shooting nights, I was telling my buddy in Kansas City when I was on his radio show on, on Friday that they could beat themselves. If they have, you know, back-to-back games where they shoot poorly from outside and they lose those games and they get down two games to one in a series or two games to none or the series is, you know, down 3-2, they could put themselves in a bad spot if they don't knock down their shots. If they do everything, and they don't have to shoot 60%. I'm just saying if they hit the shots that they know they can hit, they, they make their free throws, they play their defense, they stretch the floor, and they buzz around there like, like maniacs and cause all kinds of matchup issues, 
I think they'd win either series. Um, so without knowing who they're going to play until after tomorrow, um, I'm going to call Bucks and you know what? I'll I'll be more conservative. Bucks and seven, no matter who they play. Ooh, wow! Very intriguing. Yeah, I I think the confidence is high. Uh, I do think the Sixers have the talent. It just doesn't mm-hmm. uh, you know this this has not been maybe as cohesive as the Bucks. And the Bucks just have that attitude. Like I was worried after that first game, after game one, and I know many were. But just, you know, taking a, a, a punch like that, and this team does not want to lose. You can tell that right off the bat that they do, they do not want uh, another defeat. And you, you saw that, and you saw the unity of the team come through, shine. And right now, you know, the biggest sports talk right now, not the Badgers, it's not the Golden Eagles, it's not the Packers. Uh, it, you know, it's not even the Brewers who, you know, they were that was their time in the fall. It's the Bucks. And it's uh, it, for someone like me that grew up going to games for Boy Scout days and whatnot, I, I can feel the fever from here in Madison. Uh, and so hopefully I'll be able to get to um, down to Milwaukee for at least during some time uh, during these Eastern Conference Finals just to bear witness to what this what the city is feeling as well uh, and a much needed resurgence. And, you know, I was down there for the NXT show uh, and you saw just how, you know, you could feel a little bit of it uh, earlier, you know, uh, last month, but uh, I think it's it's starting to grab hold. And you just heard on the TV just how potent and just the vibe there. So uh, a, a very cool thing uh, in the community, uh, especially for the professional organization, and just a turnaround from a, a 15 win season, uh, you know, you, you know, a few years ago to now. Absolutely, absolutely, and and like I said before, as far as the predictions go. If I thought Embiid was 100% and, it, and Philly ends up winning, I might say that you know they could win in seven. But I'm I'm sticking with the I'm I'm sticking with the way the Bucks have played, and you know you hit it on the head. They they took that punch, that gut punch in game one, but they were unflappable. And by being by being unflappable, you know, um, that. To make a run for the finals, which, by the way, Bucks have home field advantage or home court advantage if they get there. So, absolutely. Uh, so, and and you know, the records have been talked about. Team home teams in Game Sevens and how almost unbeatable they are. So you really want to have that chip like Bucks have in their You're breaking up a little bit, brother. Oh, sorry. Can you hear me now? Yep. Okay, I was just saying, you know, you want to have those game sevens at home because, you know, whether it's in the Eastern Conference Finals or in the championship, because game sevens, home teams, it's pretty amazing. So I'm looking forward to breaking down this series, whoever it is they play, as we go from week to week here. Absolutely. On that note, let's just take it on from here. Uh, we'll talk more, hopefully more Bucks, more Brewers, sometime in the next week uh, for – you know, for us, find us on Twitter at Kilbasa Kings WI, Scotty at Scott Wisdom, to me at Coco b 5 q Well, some changes coming up down the road at the end of the month. We'll let you know more about as a bit of a teaser. And on that note, uh, Scott, anything else before we take it home? Uh, no, other than like you touched on it early. Happy Mother's Day to everybody. And I hope you have a safe weekend, everyone, and enjoy the, the decent-ish weather. Yeah, hey, it's not raining right now. I'll take it. And I'm going on a hike in about half hour so on that note folks you guys have a great weekend ahead 
We'll talk to you guys again soon here on the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza.